Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, Crave, Apple TV, the list of subscription services keeps getting longer. And that's only for streaming. Add in meal kit services, fitness apps, music, audiobooks, we're overwhelmed by subscriptions. While these businesses, especially streaming, saw a boost at the beginning of the pandemic, now there's signs of fatigue. Not only was the pandemic unexpected, it caused a huge demand for online services. And as the world slowly reopens, you see this in the spending data where people are kind of paring back on home expenditures, shifting towards traveling, getting outside, going back to work, and engaging in more experiential stuff. Mattis Hababinia is a journalist with The Globe's report on business. She's been looking into what's going on, and she'll tell us why people are hitting the unsubscribe button and if that trend will continue. This is The Decibel. Hi, Mattis. Thanks for joining me. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So I got to start by asking, do you currently subscribe to anything? I do. I subscribe to Netflix and a couple of news outlets. I was also very recently subscribed to Apple Music, but I, to be honest, I left that along with Disney Plus and Amazon Prime this year. I found myself rarely using them. Some months I wouldn't use them at all. And that's just money down the drain at that point. Okay. And so, yeah, I think when a lot of us think about like subscription services, we think about streaming. So we think about like Netflix and Disney Plus, but it's a lot broader than that, isn't it? Like there's a lot of subscriptions that we have to, to things that are not just streaming. Absolutely. So there are subscriptions to meal kits, groceries, sports is another big one. There's also audiobooks, softwares, news outlets. Everything has a subscription nowadays, it almost seems. So you've been looking into this. Why, why was there such an explosion of subscription services in the last few years? Maybe I should backtrack a little bit just to kind of give the definition of subscription fatigue because it might help explain the explosion a little bit. So the fatigue happens when you start to see a decrease in consumer interest around subscription-based services while the number of those services increases. And you see this through people either canceling their subscriptions or just straight out reducing them. But even before the pandemic, subscription services and mainly streaming were seeing this surge in availability and variety and partly because of convenience, partly because it was just the trend. And then once the pandemic hit, come lockdown, come a lot of time at home for most of us, these subscription services almost became a must and essential, right? Most of us were staying at home. We were binging TV shows <laughs> on our TVs, meal kits. We were having them delivered directly to our doors. Amazon Prime um, is another example of e-commerce. People were shopping online. So that dramatic surge happened because of a very unexpected event. And that was the COVID-19 pandemic. Hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting. So it's kind of, it was set up with this, this ability to basically tailor everything that we, we want directly to our interests. But then because of the pandemic, it became this kind of cultural norm that we really, we really got into. How much are people spending on these services these days? So Rogers Sports and Media commissioned a study in 2021 with Tubi. Tubi is an ad-supported streaming service. And they found that Canadians actually spent $2.7 billion on streaming services just in 2020 alone. 
And the most popular were Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Disney+. Plus. That seems like a lot of money then. That seems like substantial money. Oh, most definitely. And that's a trend you see across North America. So in the past two years, subscriptions have become a large share of consumer spending. And another example of that would be a recent study by West Monroe, which is a management and tech consulting firm. And they actually found that U.S. consumers were spending $273, which is up from 237 in 2018. And that's roughly 5% of household expenditures. Canadian consumers are pretty much the same. Five, so 5% of household expenditure on, on streaming services then. So that can, you know, that can be a lot of money if this is like an auto renew thing that comes out of, out of your bank every month. That can be a lot of money that people really aren't thinking about spending all the time. Absolutely. And it's actually a pretty common habit to subscribe to something and then forget about it or not use it. Are you finding that like when you were doing this, this reporting, like were you finding that people were kind of shocked to realize that they were spending this much money on things that they, you know, they didn't realize all this money was going out every month? It's not something people really consider until they go through their finances with a fine tooth comb. And it's not uncommon to have the sense of guilt or failure when you realize you've maybe managed your money poorly. But once you do go through it with a fine tooth comb and you realize maybe there is a service that you subscribed to three months ago and you haven't used since, that's kind of a big motivator to cancel it if, if it's not an essential part of your life or if it doesn't bring value to your life. So according to your reporting, Mattis, it sounds like you're a pretty typical person right now because you've unsubscribed to things, as you said. You've kind of gone through all these all these subscriptions you have and decided what's really worth it here. Uh, and you've spoken to experts on this. What are they telling you about what they're hearing from people in general now? So there's basically two sides to this, and each have several branches. There's content and pricing. And in that survey, Rogers Tubi's survey, 47% said a lack of content was the primary reason for canceling their streaming subscription but 53% said it's because of cost. So on the content side of things, when I was speaking with analysts and financial strategists, one thing to keep in mind here is the proliferation of options is increasing in almost every category. It's not just streaming. There's also FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. <laughs> Human beings naturally have this fear of missing out or natural curiosity, so it's not uncommon to see, for example, how much traction Squid Games was receiving in just a couple weeks and then hit that subscribe button again to Netflix or wherever just to watch it because with a phenomenon like that, you really couldn't escape it. <laughs> it was everywhere. And then on the pricing side of things, Netflix isn't the only streaming giant that's hiking their prices, but it's done so the most frequently. They've increased their prices about five or six times since 2014. Something financial strategists have also found is that younger people are more tech savvy, but sometimes not always budget savvy, which mm. may not be a good thing in the long run. Hmm. I'm curious. So we're talking about, a, you know, a drop in subscribers overall, but people that you are talking to, Mattis, like what have they told you about their reasons for canceling Netflix? So it was two reasons. One was price hikes and the other was a lack of engaging shows. Some people just find that other services, so their competitors, right, like Amazon, Disney, uh, maybe even HBO, Hulu, Crave, they have content better suited towards their tastes and their lifestyles. What's important here is that streaming companies are not just competing against each other. They're also competing against anything else that takes up consumer mindshare and wallets. YouTube is another one, actually. YouTube has always, in a way, been one of Netflix's biggest competitors. It's not necessarily a streaming platform, but it's definitely taking up consumers' leisure time. Netflix still has its loyal consumer base. It's still top dog, you know, until it isn't if the subscriber loss trend continues. 
Why is all this subscription fatigue happening now, though? Like, what is it about this point in time that's causing this to happen? So there's different factors at play here, and they're all kind of bouncing off each other. For one thing, there's soaring inflation right now. Gas prices and the income squeeze is really forcing people to rethink spending habits. And one of the most explosive trends and demands during the COVID-19 lockdown period is sort of seeing this reverse. We are in this transitionary period. Whereas the last two years, not only was the pandemic unexpected, it caused a huge demand for online services. And as the world slowly reopens, you see this in the spending data where people are kind of paring back on home expenditures, shifting towards traveling, getting outside, going back to work and engaging in more experiential stuff. And when you combine that with the price hikes and inflation, it makes sense that there is some pressure on people's wallets and the, the, these companies are seeing the pressures that we've seen. Yeah, it's really interesting. It makes a lot of sense, actually, for this to be happening now then. As you said, we are seeing a lot of these new services pop up all the time. How many of these streaming services actually exist right now? Oh, there are dozens and dozens. There are Hmm. about 50 services in North America alone. And there are well-known brands such as, you know, Amazon Prime, Apple, Disney, Netflix, HBO, even though that's, that's American. We all know those. But there's even smaller ones that I personally didn't even hear about until I started researching into it, like Break, Movies, BritBox, Snag Films, and Vicky. There's, I think, about over 20 in Canada. And then there's sports. Sports has its... its, Sports is just a whole other beast. There are so many (laughs) streaming options for that. The Rogers Tubi study that I mentioned from earlier actually found that Canadian streamers on average subscribe to 2.2 subscription-based video services and consume about 3.2 hours of streaming content every day. Hmm. But what that study also found was that about 37% of Canadians who pay for streaming content, it's around that third service mark where the subscription fatigue hits and people are more likely to supplement their viewing by streaming for free with ad-supported platforms. Let's zoom in on Netflix in particular here, because this is kind of the the biggest service that most of us know is kind of really leading the trend here as well. Netflix is seeing a significant drop in subscribers for the first time in, in 10 years now. How significant is this drop, Mattis? A lot of the concerns about streaming fatigue don't just come from the pandemic and now we're in this recovery period, but it actually comes from Netflix's recent quarterly report, right? They were mm. pretty disappointing. Netflix is a streaming pioneer and they forecast a loss of 2 million subscribers for their upcoming second quarter. This is on top of the hundreds and thousands of subscribers they already lost. The company partly blamed it on password sharing, where people use the service using somebody else's account, and partly on shutting down its service in Russia over the invasion of Ukraine. I think that week shares in Netflix plunged about 35% and it erased about $54 billion USD in market value. Hmm. So analysts are saying perhaps we're closer to a saturation than we originally thought. And part of that is true. You know, customers are raising their eyebrows at successive price increases and competition is heating up. You have Disney, Amazon, Paramount and other giants taking on Netflix and they're raking in customers because they have different content and pricing. However, that said, analysts also mentioned that this subscriber loss for Netflix so far isn't a major concern just yet, given Netflix's global total of 222 million paying customers in more than 190 countries. What's concerning is the downward trend, right, if this continues. 
The subscriber loss was also reportedly fairly predictable. Their numbers were leveled in the last report they shared with investors. Netflix's expansion over the last few years has come from expanding into other countries geographically. But there's only a finite number of countries to expand into, just like how there are only a limited number of media consumers. They've pretty much maxed out in terms of geographic territories, but that's not to say that they can't make a comeback from it or find other ways to monetize. Hmm. Yeah. And this isn't just a, a Netflix story, though, because, I mean, their stock is dropping, but we're also seeing other streaming-related stocks dropping as well, like Walt, Walt Disney, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery fell as well. Like, are people just, just tired of, of too much content? It depends on the medium, I would say. It's too early to call for the end of streaming growth, for sure. But one thing that is on a steady decline is household TVs and cable. In Canada, right now, we're at about 7.9 million households subscribed to pay TV, and that number is expected to decrease to 7.4 million by 2023. Hmm. Sports is still the preferred stream on TVs and cable. They are a vital part of viewing habits, but there is a shift among younger streamers who are less likely to have grown up with cable. So sports streaming isn't yet a part of mainstream viewing habits. It's expected to grow in the future. And in terms of streaming services that aren't related to sports, it's too early to call for an end to the growth, but we are seeing a shift in consumer habits. Yeah. And it makes sense that younger people are not as used to watching cable. It's just they've grown up with the ease of those streaming services that are on demand. And so like, are, does it sound like eventually, though, we are, I guess, from the numbers that you're looking at, does it sound like eventually we are really the trend is away from cable TV, though, towards the on-demand streaming services? Absolutely. Definitely. So Nielsen Holdings found that 46% of respondents were overwhelmed by the increasing number of streaming platforms, but 93% still plan to keep their subscriptions or add more in the coming year. With the decline of cable TV and pay TV households, the younger generations are unlikely to abandon streaming services altogether. So we've been talking mostly about the consumer side of things here, Mattis, but let's actually look at the companies because obviously companies want to keep their customers. So how are they enticing people to stay subscribed? So one of the obvious ways is new content, but that's always subjective, right, to, their, to consumers' tastes and lifestyles. But what Netflix has recently announced, and this isn't new, is adding an ad-supported tier. So what subscription fatigue is kind of forcing services to do is explore other business models and an ad-supported tier could mean free streaming with ads or a lower-cost version with ads. And that's something that Netflix said it's working on is a lower-cost ad-supported option. However, the streaming service didn't provide much details about how that would really work or what would the cost be. For Netflix particularly, the key to improvement is getting past being a one-trick pony. Experts have said perhaps expanding into video games, music, podcasts, or other entertainment but again, there's still competition there. None of those are new. In speaking with analysts, one of the most promising areas is experiential entertainment. So an experience based on their franchises. Netflix has some pretty interesting intellectual properties like Bridgerton and Stranger Things. So kind of these easy to set up experiences, mini theme parks based on a series they might have. Will it be enough to compensate for what we're seeing on the streaming side? Maybe not, but it's one avenue and if you look at other services like Apple or Disney, they have their theme parks and computers. Amazon has its e-commerce business to fall back on. Netflix doesn't have another business to fall back on. So they're going to have to get creative. And the multimillion dollar question is how they're going to differentiate themselves. 
I don't know, might we see like a Netflix themed amusement park in the future? <laughs> that that would be really interesting. I I'm a Netflix subscriber and I would be interested in that. I'm not going to lie. I'm but sure a lot of people would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's not to say I'm not looking at my budget either. Um it's just mm-hmm. it it would definitely have to be creative and they would have to differentiate themselves because any form of expansion there's already competition in most markets. Mattis, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.